0: Hello again. Today is July 5th, 2022. My name is Larry Bailey and we are going to review the week of June 27th, 2022. Brought to you today by Ridge Lending Group. If you have any questions about any information contained here or want to find out more about loan programs, what are current rates, what can be done, you definitely want to reach out to Chailey Ridge and the team of dedicated lending specialists by calling 855-74-Ridge or email info at So we're going to go through the week of June 27, 2022. The consumer inflation remained near a 40-year high and home purchase activities stayed strong in May. Home prices are continued to rise in April and with the first quarter GDP reported now at negative 1.6%, May's lower than expected personal spending report was especially significant. Here's what you need to know. These are the things we're going to cover today. First is consumer inflation remains at near a 40-year high. Second is home purchase activity still standing strong. The next is home price appreciation remained hot in April. The next is final first quarter GDP reading sparks more recession fears. And the last is keeping an eye on jobless claims. So let's get into consumer inflation remains near 40-year high. The Fed's favorite measure of inflation, the Personal Consumption Expenditures, also known as PCE, showed that the headline inflation rose 0.6% in May, which was slightly below the estimates of 0.7%. The year-over-year reading remained near a 40-year high of 6.3%, but did not increase like many expected. The core PCE, which strips out volatile food and energy prices and is the Fed's real focus, rose by 0.3%, also one-tenth beneath expectations. So the year-over-year core PCE decreased from 4.9% to 4.7%. So what's the bottom line? Remember that the Fed's main tool that they use to curb inflation is hiking its benchmark Fed funds rate, which is the interest rate for overnight borrowing for banks and is not the same as mortgage rates. Counterintuitively, when the Fed hikes its benchmark Fed funds rate, this can be actually a good thing for mortgage rates because it curbs inflation. At its June meeting, the Fed hiked the Fed funds rate by 0.75, excuse me, by 75 basis points due to high inflation, which was the largest increase since 1994. The Fed has started that, depending on the data, they will hike another 50 or 75 basis points at their meeting on July 26th and 27th, so later this month and investors will closely be watching what actions the Fed takes later this month, accordingly. Home purchase activity is still standing strong, so here on the chart you can see what's going on between the months from December through May, and pending home sales, which measure signed contracts on existing homes, rose 0.7% from April to May, which was much stronger than the expected 4% decline. This follows the upside surprise in new home sales as signed contracts on new homes also rose 10.7 percent in May. So on a year-over-year basis, pending home sales were only down 13.6 percent. So what's the bottom line? Both the new and pending home sales reports reflect buyers shopping for homes in May. Again, right now it's July, so (laughs) a little while ago. During that time, the factors in much uh, of the rise in interest rates that we hadn't seen at that point this year. And while there's no doubt that higher interest rates are impacting demand, the fact that signed contracts for new and existing homes were higher in May, even with rise in rates, rise in home prices, and lack of inventory shows that the purchasing market, the purchase market still remains strong. Home price appreciation remained hot in April. So as always, we go through this each month, and we see that uh, information on the graphic here. Feel free to check that out on the video. The Case-Shiller Home Price Index, which is considered the gold standard, quote-unquote, for appreciation, showed home prices rose 2.1% in April and 20.4% year over year. This annual reading is basically flat from the previous report, but it's still blistering hot. The Federal Housing Finance Agency, also known as FHFA, also released their House Price Index. This report measures home price appreciation on a single-family home with conforming loan amounts, which means it most likely represents lower-priced homes. I would argue, actually, probably moderately priced (laughs) homes, not just lower-priced. Home prices rose 1.6% in April and 18.8% year-over-year. This is a slight decrease from the 19.1% rise reported in March, But again, it's extremely hot, and most would say unsustainable. Rents also are on the rise, per the Apartment Lists National Rent Report, which showed that rents increased by 1.3% in June and 14.1% year over year. Imagine your housing payment went up 14% in one year. Most people's income is not, so naturally this is a big concern for a lot of people that study this um, and that pay rent. Note that this report is is for new rents, renewals are rising in the high single digits year-over-year. So, what's the bottom line? While the Case-Shiller and the FHFA reports are dated, as they are for April, appreciation which was still extremely hot as of that time. In addition, though these reports do not fully take into account the rise in interest rates we've seen this year, they do include much of the increase. With appreciation still so strong in April, this is supportive of the belief that while we may see home price gains slow, we shouldn't see decreases in pricing. Will Donner, Ph.D., supervisory economist in the FHFA's Division of Research and Statistics, said house price appreciation continues to remain elevated in April. The inventory of homes on the market remains low, which has continued to keep upward pressure on sales prices. Increasing mortgage rates have yet to offset demand enough to deter the strong price gains happening across the country, close quote. Next story is first, I'm sorry, final first quarter GDP reading sparks more recession fears. And those again, I'm not quite sure who still believes we are not going to have a recession. We shall see. So the final reading for the first quarter GDP came in at 1.6%, which was a decline from the 1.5% reported on the second reading. And while the textbook definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, the National Bureau of Economic Research, also known as NBER, because, you know, the government needs more acronyms, who ultimately calls when we are in a recession, has expanded their definition. However, it would be hard to ignore two consecutive quarters of negative GDP So it will be crucial to monitor how GDP performs in the second quarter, of course. On that note, personal spending rose by 0.2% in May, which was half of the expectations. Additionally, April's personal spending figure was revised lower by 0.4%. So why is this important? Spending is a big component of GDP. Duh. The Atlantic Fed has estimated 0% growth in the second quarter, but they've revised their forecast to 1% after May's personal spending figures were released. If GDP in the second quarter ultimately is negative, that would make two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, ergo a recession. And speaking of recession fears, a number of major manufacturing indices, including those for the New York, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Richmond areas, have all reported negative numbers far worse than expectations. Next story, keeping an eye on jobless claims, so you see the image. Uh, Once again, we pick um, the largest claim states, which are still California, Texas, and Ohio is up there. New York was on there last time, so Ohio, this is new. The number of people filing for unemployment benefits fell by 2,000 in the latest week as 231,000 initial jobless claims were reported. Continuing claims, which measure people who continue to receive benefits after their initial claim is filed, decreased by 3,000 to 1.328 million, which is just above a 50-year low. So what's the bottom line? While jobless, excuse me, while initial jobless claims decreased in the latest week, the four-week average is at the highest level since December and it has been consistently moving higher. So even though initial jobless claims remain low, there is a clear trajectory higher which should continue given the announcements of significant layoffs by several public companies that once some of these layoffs are reflected in these numbers, we should see this figure really start to jump. We've been saying that for a little bit, so we'll see, which, of course, all of this leads to a higher unemployment rate. Hey, guess what? We have a family hack of the week, and this is some really good tips if you're flying this summer. These travel tips are from CNN, and they can help if any hiccups arise. Possibly. They might help. (laughs) If you're stuck at an airport, trust me, there's no app in the world that's helping you. So first tip is download your airline's app on your phone before you depart. I would tell you to do it before you even get to the airport um, because if your flight is canceled or changed, you may be able to rebook your trip more quickly on the app than you could by waiting at the line in the airport. People still do that. I don't know why. or getting stuck on hold on the phone. Uh, I travel a lot with American and United, and uh, knock on wood, I've been fortunate enough not to be completely stranded, but um, I actually was able to rebook a flight on American arriving at i think it was at dallas and i was able to rebook um i got my flight refund and i was actually a rebook on delta while on the airplane while on an american airplane it was phenomenal so definitely encourage you to download these apps uh you can also check your departure airport's website and twitter feed i've done that too for any updates regarding security lines Uh, Newark does that a lot. They'll actually tweet you um, or somebody did at least to let me know how long the security line is. Maybe that was United as well. Research your credit cards, travel coverage. So emphasize this to know whether your meals or accommodations are covered in case you experience any delays or cancellations. Ask the airline for hotel vouchers or frequent flyer miles if your flight is canceled. Even if they're not required to provide them, it never hurts to ask. And lastly, where possible, book direct flights and fly early in the day to help avoid any cascading impacts of bad weather or other delays or cancellations throughout the day. And if you do need connecting flights, aim for at least two hours in between those flights so you have plenty of buffer time. But that leads to more food. (laughs) So what to look for this week coming up? Uh, The week of July 5th, after the market was closed yesterday and Monday in honor of Independence Day holiday, hopefully everybody stayed safe. Key reports from the labor sector will hit headlines on Thursday. The ADP employment report will give us an update on private payrolls for June. Plus, the latest jobless claims data will also be reported. End of the week on Friday, the Bureau of Labor Statistics jobs report. Also known as the BLSJ for June will be released, which includes non-farm payrolls and the unemployment rate. Uh, technically speaking, um, as you see on screen here, the bonds continue to trade up. We've seen really good moves from the bond market on the last few trading days. Um, that could change in a snap. So I would always tell you to stay uh, close with Ridge Lending Group. Make sure you're aware of what's going on. And by all means, um, if you need any help with any type of financing, any questions, education, whatever, Ridge Lending Group is a place to go. Chaley Ridge takes care of you always as well as all of her team members on the dedicated lending specialist team. You can contact them at 888 strike that. You can contact them at 855-74-RIDGE, so 855-747-4343, or email info at ridgelendinggroup.com, or check out their website, ridgelendinggroup.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your week.